so important that you understand the truths that I'm going to be sharing in this message and I want to speak to you about how to live the Christian life what is a real Christian how can you know that you're a real Christian how can you be absolutely sure that your heart is right with God and in this message I also want to share with you four habits that all successful Christians have because every Christian who succeeds has to honor four truths that we find in Scripture and I'm going to give those to you in this message as well but I'd like to begin reading in first Peter chapter 1 beginning to read at verse 13 the Bible says so think clearly and exercise self-control look forward to the special blessings that will come to you at the return of Jesus Christ obey God because you are his children don't slip back into your old ways of doing evil you didn't know any better then but now you must be holy in everything you do just as God who chose you to be his children is holy for he himself has said you must be holy because I am holy and remember that the Heavenly Father to whom you pray has no favorites when he judges he will judge or reward you according to what you do so you must live in reverent fear of him during your time as foreigners here on earth for you know that God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life you inherited from your ancestors and the ransom he paid was not mere gold or silver he paid for you with the precious lifeblood of Christ, the sinless, spotless Lamb of God. I want to emphasize that. That is so important. Don't ever forget it. The price of your salvation, the price of your forgiveness. You received it freely, but it cost God his only begotten Son. Verse 19 said, He paid for you with the precious lifeblood of of Christ the sinless spotless Lamb of God God chose him for this purpose long before the world began but now in these final days he was sent to the earth for all to see and he did this for you through Christ you have come to trust in God and because God raised Christ from the dead and gave him great glory your faith and hope can be placed confidently in God and down in verse 23 the Bible says for you have been born again your new life did not come from your earthly parents because the life they gave you will end in death but this new life will last forever because it comes from the eternal living Word of God as the prophet says People are like grass that dies away. Their beauty fades as quickly as the beauty of wild flowers. 
the grass withers and the flowers fall away, but the word of the Lord will last forever. And that word is the good news that was preached to you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you tonight for every single commitment to Christ. I thank you, Lord, for every single individual, every man, every woman, every couple, every teenager, every college student, every boy and every girl who has knelt at these altars and repented of sin and placed their faith in Christ. And Father, I pray that tonight you would remind them that this is not the end, but just the beginning of what you're going to do. Remind them, O oh Lord, that in coming to Christ, they have a brand new life, that old sins are forgiven and forgotten, and that the power of the Lord is present to help them as they live the Christian life. And Father, as we open up the Scriptures tonight, we know that only the Holy Spirit can speak to us about these eternal truths. And so we yield ourselves to the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. God, we are openly confessing we need you every day of our life. We can't do this without your help, O oh Lord. And so we humbly ask for your strength. Guide us and cause us to grow. And we'll give you praise for all of these things in Jesus' name. And everybody said a big amen. You know, many times some of the questions that plague a brand new Christian is they walk away from that altar and maybe a day later, maybe for you a week later, maybe a month later, but sooner or later, most of the time, people who have come to faith in Christ begin to question, am I really saved? Was that really a commitment? Or did something just stir my heart that night emotionally and was my response really just from my own stirring of emotions or was it genuine faith in Christ and you know, the enemy loves to place that doubt in your mind. He wants you to feel as if you can't live for the Lord. He wants you to feel like other people can live the Christian life, but you can't live the Christian life. I believe one of the devil's favorite sermons is to constantly whisper into the ears of brand new Christians, you will fail. But what if you fail? What if you go out and sin? What if you make a mistake? What if after you've come to faith in Christ one day you catch yourself in the middle of a blatant lie and all of a sudden you feel conviction and you think, I'm supposed to be a Christian, why did I do that? Or whatever the problem would be, what happens when you sin? Does it mean that you are not a Christian? If you fail, does it mean that the commitment you made to Christ at this altar and this lost lamb crusade, when we prayed together, was it all artificial? No, the Bible says in 1 John, and don't ever forget this, 1 John chapter 1 and verse 9, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Let me just help you. I'm not condoning failure, and I'm certainly not winking at sin, for the Scripture said, Be ye holy, even as I am holy. But the Bible also tells us that we're in a war a tug of war between the nature of our old flesh and our new life in Christ. And when you sin, don't give up on God because, friend, He's never going to give up on you. You stay firm in the truth of the Bible, not how you feel, not what the enemy whispers in your ear, but you stay firm in what the Bible said. 
And the Bible said that if you'll confess your sins, that he'll always be faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. And so when you sin or when you fail, always be tender-hearted and quick to come to prayer. Don't wait till Sunday. Don't wait to get to church. Don't wait to be in the presence of other Christians. Whether you're driving down a car or you have an opportunity to kneel by a, a chair in the home or wherever you might be, be quick to get down on your knees and say, God, I feel conviction because I know that what I did was wrong. I know I broke a commandment or I know I failed you or I know that I fell short today of your standards. And I'm asking you, God, forgive me today. And he said, if you confess your sins, I'll be faithful and just to forgive you and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Don't ever forget that, friend. If you'll confess it, God will forgive it. If you'll confess it, God will forgive it. Then one of the things that people battle with is, how can I be sure that I'm a Christian? How can I know for a fact that I really got right with God? What if God listened to some of the others that were praying there but passed me by? Well, the Bible tells us ways that we can have assurance concerning our salvation. We know that we're saved because a change takes place. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5 and 17, this is one of my favorite scriptures. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. In 1 John 4 and 13, the Bible says, We know by the presence of God's Spirit in our lives. Hereby know we that we dwell in Him and He in us because He has given us His Spirit. Another way to know that you've come to faith in Christ is there's going to be a new love in your life. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 4, Beloved, let us love one another. For love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God, for God is love. The Bible tells us also in 1 John chapter 2, verse 3, listen, it says, Hereby we do know that we know Him if we keep His commandments. You see, part of your commitment to Christ is not just that you prayed that prayer of repentance and faith, but that your commitment was that you would turn your back on sin and turn your heart to God. And when you live for Jesus Christ, there has to be a willingness to grow in your faith and a willingness to not only learn the commandments of the Lord, but to keep the commandments of the Lord. But the Lord's going to help you. And if you ever in your mind wrestle with it, let me very quickly give you the ABCs of how you can be right with God. And whether it's for your own recommitment or maybe you want to use this as an outline to share your faith with a friend or a family member or someone you know that needs the Lord. You play this tape and play it over and over until it's a part of your memory and committed to your spirit, the ABCs of getting right with God. A, the Bible says we have to admit our sin. Romans 3 and 12, all turned away from God. All have done wrong. No one does good, not even one. Proverbs 28 and 13, he who conceals his sins does not prosper, but whoever confesses and renounces them finds mercy. You know, every now and then you'll need to make a recommitment. 
There is absolutely nothing wrong if in your own heart you just don't feel a peace with God or perhaps you've been wandering away from the things of God and you haven't been faithful. Then get back to an altar of prayer and repentance. There's nothing wrong to be in a service and to hear a a Bible message being preached and to feel the tug and the conviction of the Holy Spirit and in your own heart say, you know, I made a commitment once in my life, but I want to renew my commitment. I want to get before God fresh. I'd rather have you get saved every time the doors of the church were opened than to sit in a seat and become hardened in heart and never again respond to the call of the Holy Spirit. It is far better to be tender-hearted towards the Lord in conviction than to develop pride and never again make those things right. A, admit your sin. B, believe in Jesus Christ. Why Jesus? John 14 and 6, Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. Nobody comes to the Father but through me. Don't ever forget it. Jesus alone was the Son of God. Jesus alone died for sinners. And Jesus alone rose again. And C, commit your life to God by faith. If you got saved in a lost lamb crusade, You probably have heard this in some form or another. But it's a good thing to remember, not only for your own benefit, not only for your own assurance of salvation, but to help you in your witness to others. The ABCs, A, admit your sin. When things are wrong, confess it to God with repentance. And don't ever forget that definition of repentance that you've heard from this evangelist. Repentance is I am willing to turn my back on sin and I am willing to turn my heart to God. Repentance is I am not only sorrow, sorrow, feel sorrow for my sin, but I am willing to change and to be what God wants me to be. And so remember those ABCs and get back to it, and I know that the Lord will help you. I want to spend the remaining part of this message helping you to understand how you can grow in your relationship with Christ. How do you develop the Christian life? How do you live in Christian character? Well, I want you to understand that just like a baby that's born. You know, the Bible said that when you come to Christ, you're born again. And just like a baby that's born, that baby cannot be left on its own or that baby will die. That new little precious innocent life needs nurturing and needs food and needs love and needs family and needs encouragement and help. Growth is a part of anything that's living. But what does it mean to grow in Christ? Well, three things. Number one, it means that you're increasing in your knowledge of Christ. Number two, it means that you're increasing in your love for Christ. And number three, it means that you're increasing in your obedience to Christ. That is a very simple definition of growing in your faith and growing in Christ But the Bible tells us that we must grow once we are born again. So we grow three ways in our knowledge of Christ, in our love for Christ, and in our obedience to Christ. The Bible said in John 17 and 3, Now this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God in Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. You know, there are more than 600 commands in the Old Testament. But in the New Testament, Jesus 
focused in on one single commandment. Listen to it. He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. You know, if you could reduce the Christian life into one commandment, that's what Jesus did. He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And this is the first and greatest commandment. In John 14, Jesus said this. He said, whoever has my commands and obeys them, he is the one who loves me. He who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love him and show myself to him. You see, just as a child in a family has a growing relationship, both physically and socially and with his family, it is also natural for you to have that type of growth in God. And so I want to share with you four habits that all successful Christians have. And this is so important. And I pray that you'll wear this part of the tape out. I pray that you'll listen to this over and over and over so that if anyone were to ever come to you and say, what are four habits that all successful Christians have in their lives and that the Bible clearly taught that you'd not only be able to share it from experience, but you'd be able to share it with passion and encourage that individual to know these four things as well. Number one, the Bible. All successful Christians are students of the Bible. You say, but preacher, i got to confess to you, I wasn't a very good student. Preacher, I, I have to confess to you, I'm not a, a very good reader. Friend, you're not alone. Sad but true, according to recent surveys, about 23% of all of our young people that graduate from American high schools are functionally illiterate. But friend, that's not a valid excuse in this day and hour. For the Bible is available on cassette. The Bible is available on CD. And no matter where you're at in your education, you can get a Bible and begin to listen to it and love it and learn it and live it. And if you'll love and learn and live the Scriptures, your life is going to begin to take on an incredible change. Because friend, listen... The Bible is not just a religious book. It is the living Word of God. And when you read the Bible, you're not fulfilling a religious discipline or duty. Every time you read the Bible, you are investing the supernatural power of God in your life. It gives you power not only to learn about the Lord, but how to live for Him. Because you don't have that discipline in your own fleshly strength. You can't live the Christian life just by being bullheaded or figuring I'm going to do this if it kills me. You need the Lord to help you. And the Bible said in Psalm 119 and 11, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Paul wrote in 2 Timothy 3 verses 16 and 17, he said all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. You see, the Bible is how God communicates with you. The Bible is how God is going to communicate with you. 
You don't sit in a church with stained glass window with the sun at the perfect angle waiting for some angel choir to come down the ladder and sing God's will to you. His will is His Word. And if you want to know the will and the ways of God, start reading the Bible. Trying to live a Christian life without reading the Bible is like going on a trip to a place you've never been without a map. You will get lost. It will cost you more than you intended to pay, and you will have painful experiences en route. The Bible is God's owner's manual. It talks to you about life, and not just about your salvation part of life. The Bible has great wisdom and advice for marriage, for raising children, for investing, for managing finances, for perspective in life for philosophy and dealing with other people, how to deal with enemies. And the list is endless. Healing for the mind, healing for the body, healing for the spirit, power and purpose and peace for living. The Bible will take you from where you're at to where you need to be. You know, oftentimes I meet people that have been saved in our lost lamb crusades and in those early days, sometimes they're discouraged because now that they've found faith in Christ, they realize how far they were from God. And it can be so discouraging because they look at where they're at and they see other Christians and they think, you know, I can never be that or I'll, I'll never be able to become that kind of man or that kind of woman. Well, I have good news for you, friend. The Bible said in James chapter 4, draw nigh to God and he'll draw nigh to thee. God said, if you'll take one step to me, I'll take one step to you. But you say, preacher, I've got a million miles to go to grow in my faith. I've got so many things in my life that are all messed up and I just can't in faith see that there'll ever be a change. Well, I promise you that you'll see the change in the power of God. You say, but if I take a step to God and he takes a step to me, it's going to be such a long time. No, friend, you're forgetting something. You may only cover a little ground when you take your step towards God. But who can measure how much ground is covered when God takes his step towards you? It is not as far off as you think it is. And the Bible is the secret to growing strong in your faith. It'll be one of those great battles. The devil will do everything in his power to keep you from reading Scripture. He'll do everything in his power to keep you from being faithful in the Word. But I want to remind you the Bible is how God communicates with us. The Bible is how God reveals his character and his will in your life. And if you don't have a Bible, if you'll write me or call our office, I'll make sure that you get a good Bible so that you can begin to study the Scriptures and learn. As a matter of fact, we have a wonderful resource in the office. It's called a New Believer's Bible, and it's written and designated for brand new Christians. There's wonderful basic truths in there that cover all of the things that you're going to want to learn. What is heaven? What is hell? What is prayer? Why should I believe the Bible? Is there an eternity? What about prophecy? What about giving? What about healing? What about angels? What about demons? All of the simple questions that people have when they come to faith. And it's written in a way that's geared straight for somebody that just got saved. And I'd like to plug you into some resources that'll be a help to you and bless you because it's important that you grow in your faith. Number one, get a Bible and begin to read it. You know, sometimes the intellectuals struggle with this because they're not sure that they can believe the Bible. Somebody told them that it had error or that it had contradictions or it wasn't trustworthy. 
Let me just very quickly give you 10 reasons why you can trust the Bible. Number one, it's honesty. The Bible is painfully honest. It said Jacob was a deceiver. The Bible spoke of Moses and described Moses and his insecurities and his reluctance as a leader. Scripture was not written for people who were perfect. The Scriptures were written for people who were imperfect. And the Bible is painfully honest. Number two, it's preservation. You know, in a cave by the Dead Sea, a 2,000-year-old copy of the book of Isaiah was found that is the same as the book of Isaiah that appears in our Bibles, proving God's Word. In this simple preservation of manuscripts, God preserved His Word from error. Number three, the Bible's claims for itself. The Bible claims to be inspired by God. And the Bible offers all kinds of supporting evidences to those who become a student. Number four, it's miracles. If the Red Sea did not part as Moses said it did, then the Old Testament loses its authority to speak on behalf of God. Miracles are equally important in the New Testament. The resurrection is a powerful evidence of the authority of Scripture. Number five, it's unity. Think about this. The Bible represents over 40 different authors writing over a period of approximately 1,600 years penned 66 books called the Bible, 39 books in the Old Testament, 27 books in the New Testament. But from Genesis to Revelation, all of those books have one solid theme, the unfolding, consistent story of God's plan to bring man to redemption with himself. Number six, it's historical and geographical accuracy. Modern archaeologists frequently unearth evidence of people and places and cultures described in detail in the Scriptures. Number seven, it's endorsement by Christ. Jesus commended the Bible not only by His words, but also by His life. Number eight, it's prophetic accuracy. You see, unlike pagan seers, the prophets of Israel predicted events no one wanted to believe, but they happened just as they were prophesied. Your Bible is over one-third prophecy, and over 80% of the prophecies of the Bible have already come to pass with complete and total accuracy. It's one of the great backbones of the authenticity of the Scriptures. It's prophetic accuracy. Number nine, it's survival. The books of Moses were written 500 years before the earliest Hindu Scriptures. Moses wrote Genesis, 2,000 years before Muhammad penned the first line of the Koran. And during that long history, no book has ever been loved, printed, published, and purchased more than the Scripture because the truth that it presents is not just religiosity. It is the power of God. And 10, it's power to change lives. And this is one of the reasons why the Bible will become so real to you is it'll become personal because as you begin to study the Bible and give yourself to it, it has life-changing power. The Ten Commandments are still a great moral guide to the world today. One of the greatest definitions of love by Christians and non-Christians alike, they oftentimes quote the words of Paul in 1 Corinthians 13 and so many things in Scripture 
that will be found by the evidences that will be produced in your life. It has power to change lives. So number one, get a Bible and read it. The Bible is how God communicates to you. Number two, prayer. Because prayer is how you communicate to God. You know the wonderful thing about prayer? Is you can always be transparent with God. Because there's nothing about you that he doesn't already know. Jesus said in Luke 18 and 1, Men ought always to pray and not to faint. Friend, I can't tell you how important this is. Get a Bible and read it and start talking to God through prayer. You don't have to be in good clothes. You don't have to be on your knees at a church. You don't have to be at a fancy altar. You don't have to be at some religious building. You don't have to be in the presence of other Christians. You can talk to God anytime, any place, anywhere. And the hours of the Lord's office, every day, round the clock. The Bible says he neither sleeps nor slumbers. And I can tell you because I've served the Lord all of my life that one of the greatest things that will strengthen your faith is prayer. Because when you begin to pray and talk to God about your life, he's going to prove himself to you with answered prayer. And there will be a day in the very near future if you'll begin to talk to your life, talk about your life to God, that he'll answer so many prayers that there will soon come a day when no one will ever be able to convince you again with any argument that there isn't a God and that he doesn't hear and answer prayer to those who belong to him. And so I want to encourage you, be a prayerful Christian. You know, the Bible says in Proverbs, lean not unto your own understanding, but in all of your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your path. You see, one of the great keys to growing in the will of God and having your steps ordained by God is this covenant of prayer. God said, if you'll not trust what you see with your own eyes in this world, don't look at your problems and, and see it only through your finite vision, but just talk to me about it in prayer. And God said, if you'll acknowledge me in all your ways, then I will direct your path. The Bible says the steps of the righteous are ordered by the Lord. And you can talk to God about everything. Talk to God about your life. Talk to God about your weaknesses. Don't be ashamed to go before the Lord in prayer and say, God, I just feel guilty because there's an area in my life that's weak and I know it's not right and I want to change and it just seems like the harder I try, the more I fail. Just keep giving it to the Lord in prayer and there will come a day when you'll be able to go to your knees in prayer and say, thank you, Lord. Four years ago, there was a struggle in my life I thought I'd never be able to overcome, but I just kept obeying the scriptures and casting all of my cares on you because the Bible said you cared for me. And you gave me strength I didn't have. In place of my weakness, you gave me your strength. And today I now live in victory. Friend, don't forget to talk to God. All of the answers to all of your problems are there in a place of prayer. Get humble before God frequently and talk to Him. Every businessman ought to go to his office in the morning and close the doors. And before you take a call... 
or have a staff meeting or face the problems of the agenda of the day. Close that door in your office, Christian businessman, and get on your knees and talk to God about your life and your livelihood. Resign tomorrow as the CEO of your company and tell God he's welcome to take your place because he doesn't want to be your employee. He wants to be God of all of your life and he cares about all of your life. When you have physical problems, take it to the Lord in prayer for he's still a God of signs and wonders and miracles. And he said in the scripture, with men it is impossible, but not with God, for with God all things are possible. What a wonderful privilege, the power of prayer. Philippians 4, the Bible says, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition and with thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. You see, friend, here's the way it works with God. It's important to you, then it's important to God. If it's of value to you, it's of value to God. Husbands, get before God and ask the Lord to help you to be the priest of your home. Ask God how to show you to be a good father and a good husband and a man of character and integrity. Ask Him to move in those aspects of your life. Mothers, take the problems of home and raising children and whatever it is that you may face and go to God in prayer. There's a power in heaven that longs to flow in your home, in your marriage, in your business, in your finance, in your health, in all that you do. If it's of value to you, it's of value to God. For the Bible said godliness is profitable unto all things, both in the life now and in the life that is to come. 1 John chapter 5 and verse 14 and 15, the scripture says, This is the assurance we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we ask of him. 1 Thessalonians 5 and 18, Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Ephesians 5 and 20, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Be a thankful Christian. Don't just go to God in prayer when your life is falling apart. Be careful to go before Him with a thankful heart. Learn how to worship and praise the Lord. Learn how to rejoice even in the midst of things that you don't know the outcome. The scripture says, I'll enter his gates with thanksgiving in my heart. I'll enter his courts with praise. And friend, one of the great keys of the Bible is that when a person goes to God in praise, God said, I inhabit the praises of my people. Wherever you create an atmosphere of praise, God creates an atmosphere of his power. And when the praises of God's people collides with the supernatural power, power of God. Miracles come out of that, my friend. Learn to be a thankful Christian and talk to God about everything and always be thankful. Number three, fellowship. Number one, the Bible. Get a Bible and read it. That's how God communicates to you. Number two, prayer. That's how you communicate with God. Number three, fellowship. That's how you communicate with other Christians. 
And this is so important because you can't live the Christian life by yourself. Woe unto you if you decide that you made a commitment to Christ, but you don't need the fellowship of the local church. Disaster awaits the Christian who says the only fellowship I need is just me and God whenever I have time. You see, friend, it's one of the Ten Commandments. Remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. One day a week belongs to the Lord. If you're going to live according to the truth of the Bible, you only have six days to work and one day belongs to God. And God said, if you'll honor my house, I'll honor your house. God said, if you make my kingdom your priority, I'll make your kingdom my priority. God said, if you minister to me, I will minister to you. You see, friend, we may not want to admit it, but we all need encouragement, and we all need building up in our faith. Listen to what the Scripture said in Hebrews 10, verses 24 and 25. Let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. In other words, the Bible said as we come closer to the end of the age and the return of Christ, we should not be lessening our time with God. We should not be canceling church, but we should be found together more often knowing that eternity awaits us and our first priority as Christians is not our temporary life, but our eternal life and God's eternal causes. You see, friend, you need fellowship with other Christians. If you claim to be a Christian, but all of your friends hang out at the bar or hang out at the gambling joints or hang out somewhere else and you are constantly fellowshipping with people who don't have faith, it will become an anchor in your life and you'll pay a price for it. That Greek word for fellowship is koinia, and it simply means sharing in common. You see, one of the great things about the church, first of all, God ordained it. God gave us the church as a place to fellowship one with another. But don't ever forget it, friend. The church has to be more than a social club. It has to also serve as an emergency room for the needs of our society. And they need not only the presence of God, they need to see it lived out before them in the lives of Christians. And the local church is where we can meet. The local church is where we hear the Word of God. The local church is where we're taught in our faith and encouraged in the fundamentals. The local church is a God-appointed place. The local church provides that part of our Christian life that we can't provide on our own. And there's something about being in the fellowship of God's family that cannot be substituted with any other habit. Will you make a commitment to God today in prayer? Say, God, from this day forward, you said this is how I prove that I'm a real Christian. I obey your commands. and You taught me in the commandments to remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. You told me that we should not be found in the church less but more often as we come towards the end of the age, God, I want to make a commitment that from this day forward, now that I belong to you, that every Lord's day 
I will honor your house. And friend, I promise you that when you give that to God, there will be a wonderful outpouring of heaven in your life for obedience. Because don't ever forget what I'm about to say. God always rewards obedience. When you obey God, there is always a reward. It is not our motivation for obeying God, but you just see, friend, he's a wonderful, wonderful Savior. And he said, I lavish my love on those who belong to me. You may miss a Sunday, and it could very well be that there was something that God had for you in that service. And the very reason that you couldn't get to church that day is because behind the scenes, the enemy was fighting to keep you out of a place where you were going to be helped and strengthened and blessed. Remember to be faithful to the house of God. Lastly, and I close with this, share your faith. Number one, get a Bible and read it. That's how God communicates to you. Number two, prayer. That's how you communicate to God. Number three, fellowship. That's how we communicate with one another. And number four, witnessing, sharing your faith. That's how you communicate with those who still need Jesus Christ. Because you see, friend, maybe you've never heard this. Maybe I have the privilege of being the first one to tell you, but when you gave your heart to the Lord Jesus Christ, he will flow through you. God's blessings will not only flow to you, but God's blessings want to flow through you. Because you see, friend, you have the ability to witness to some people that I may never have an opportunity to meet. You have the opportunity in your sphere of influence to deal with people that may never hear your local pastor. You have an opportunity as a child of God to share your faith. You see, friend, I'm not looking down my nose at you tonight, and I've said this before, but I want to say it again. I just consider myself a beggar who found food trying to share it with those that are hungry. Well, I want to tell you there are a lot of people that you know that if they'd be honest, their spiritual life is hungry. There's something missing from their life, and they're trying to fill it with all of the things that this temporary world can give. But you see, my friend, there's nothing in this world that can fit that place that only the Lord can fit. The Bible said we were made in the image of God, and there is a place, a void in every human life that only right relationship with Christ can fill. No success, no relationship, no achievement, no accumulation, nothing can fill that place that God is designed to fill. And so you have an opportunity to tell people what's missing. One of the greatest ways to share your faith is to share your faith. Just tell people how you found the Lord. You don't have to be religious. You don't have to put on a robe. You don't have to speak in King James English. Just tell people what God has done for you. Acts 4.12, the Bible says, Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. You see, friend, make it your goal as a Christian to populate heaven and to plunder hell. For you are now a soldier in the army of the Lord and God will equip you as you are faithful to him to walk in a new life.
The Bible said as many as received Jesus, as many as called on his name, to them he gives the power to become the child of God. Let me just close by giving you some quick suggestions for further growth. I want you to learn the discipline early in your faith. Set aside time every day, some segment of time, whatever it might be, for reading your Bible and praying. Set aside some time in your schedule every day because I want to tell you something. The devil's in business seven days a week. Sin is in business seven days a week. God's children must not be lazy and undisciplined in their commitment to Christ. We must realize that somebody's eternity will be influenced by our faith. Somebody's eternity is going to be influenced by your faith. Before you can talk to men about God, you must talk to God about men. Someone said, the world doesn't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And Christians must be students of the Scripture and prayerful because that is the source of our power. That is the source of our wisdom and knowledge and understanding. God said, it's through my word and through prayer that I'm going to flow in you. The power of God will flow in you. So every day, make a commitment to take some time and to read your Bible and pray. Young people, I want to just share with you a habit that I had when I was just a young man because there came a time in my young life that God dealt with my heart and reminded me that I was not reading the Bible every day and that He had a call on my life and if I was going to be the man God wanted me to be, He challenged me in prayer to become more faithful in reading my Bible. Let me share a habit with you that's been a big help to me. Maybe you can incorporate this habit starting today, and it's very simple. I took a Bible, and I placed it on my pillow. For you see, in my home, before we could go to school in the morning, my mother had a, a requirement. All four of us boys had to make our bed before we went to school. And so after I had made my bed, I took my Bible, and I put it on my pillow after that. Because if I got to the end of the day and the Bible was still there, it was a reminder to me, a visible reminder to me that I hadn't prayed and read the Bible. Because you see, that's how you call a day quits. When you get to that bed at the end of the day, that's your way of saying, I'm shutting down. This day is over. My activities, my productivity, this day is now ending. I'm tired. I'm going to bed. If that Bible was still laying on my pillow, it was a reminder to me that I had let a day go by and I had gotten too busy. Friend, if you're ever too busy for God, then you're flat out too busy and you had better change your schedule because there's nothing more important than being right with God and living for Him. You must never forget that there is an eternity, that this life will one day pass that the body you presently live in has a limited number of days. But the Bible said after death you stand before God and in eternity's morning you must be ready to meet the Lord. You need the Bible in your life and prayer every day. If you were to drive over to my hotel room right now, there on my bed, you would find my personal Bible because I don't want to lose that habit 
not at 40, not at 50, not at 60. Until the Lord comes again, I want to be faithful, to get before God in prayer and confess, God, I need you today. I've been serving you for a long time, but I sure need a lot of help. I want your power. Help me to be what you want me to be. Help me to be the husband I ought to be. Help me to be the dad to my kids I need to be. Help me to be a preacher faithful to your word. Don't ever let there be a time in my life when I bring reproach to the gospel of Jesus. I need his word. I still need prayer as much as the first day I got saved. I'm challenging you tonight. Be faithful. Listen, being a Christian is not always easy. You've never heard this preacher promise you that being a Christian would be easy. There will be people who will misunderstand you. There will be people who will possibly attack you for your faith in Christ. But though being a Christian is not always easy, it is always worth it. Friend, I'm not serving the Lord today because he's blessed me or because of the promises of his goodness. I'm serving God today because it is appointed unto men once to die and after that the judgment. And my first reason for serving the Lord is there really is a heaven and there really is a hell. And I have made my choice. When it comes to heaven, I want to be there. And friend, there's only one bridge that leads from your life to the blessed hope of heaven. And that's the cross of Jesus Christ. Jesus said, if anyone will follow me, let him deny himself. Take up the cross and follow me. And so I want you to know that this preacher loves you. When you prayed that prayer of faith with me in this lost lamb crusade, when you gave your heart to Jesus and we knelt and prayed that simple prayer of faith, admitting sin and believing in Christ and making a commitment, that was not the end, friend. It's just the beginning. And all the joys that lie before you as you begin to serve the Lord Jesus Christ, don't give up. Don't give up. Don't ever give up. No matter how many problems you bring to the prayer time, don't give up. No matter how many faults and failures in your life, don't get discouraged and don't give up. For there is coming a day when it will be so worth it to be able to know that your life for Christ not only gave you the promise of heaven, but there will be people who will be following the trail that you blazed. Because, friend, as you live for Jesus Christ, you actually are blazing a life trail. And your children hopefully will follow you into heaven. Your family will follow you into heaven. Your friends will follow you into heaven. God intended for your life to have purpose and eternal significance. Don't give up on your faith. Please don't give up on your faith. Listen to this tape over and over and over until in your heart you're able to go before God in prayer and say, Jesus, you went all the way to the cross for me. I'm going all the way for you. Don't ever give up on God because God will never give up on you. Don't forget those four habits. Bible reading, how God communicates to you. Prayer, how you communicate to God. Fellowship. That local church is where we communicate one with another. Be found faithful every Lord's day. And sharing your faith. Be a witness for God. That's how God communicates through you to others who still must hear that there is a God who cares about their life. My prayer for you is that you will constantly keep before you eternity and realize 
I am a real Christian. I made my commitment, and there's no turning back. Never. I'm going to ask every head to be bowed and every eye to be closed. Hi, this is Tiff Shuttlesworth. Taking time to listen to the Word of God and investing His wisdom in your life is more important than most people realize. The Bible tells us in Proverbs chapter 4 that getting wisdom is the most important thing that you can do. And the key to a blessed and a happy and fulfilled life is dependent upon two very important commitments. First, and of utmost importance, your life must be genuinely committed to God. Secondly, your level of blessing and fulfillment is found in your knowledge and in your application of God's Word and wisdom. You must know where you stand with God. I genuinely care and have dedicated my whole life to helping people understand the difference between religion and right relationship with God. And if you're not absolutely sure that your life is right with God, then what you are about to hear in the next few moments could very well determine where you will spend eternity. So listen very carefully. I want you to listen to this track on your CD several times until you understand it. And I mean understand it thoroughly. There is a God. He knows you and he loves you. In the first book of the New Testament, the book of Matthew in the sixth chapter, God said, I already know all your needs and I will give you all you need from day to day if you live for me and make the kingdom of God your primary concern. Are you living for God? Notice I did not ask you if you're a good person or if you go to church or do you believe in God. There's nothing in this entire world more important than knowing that your life is right with God. What if you knew that today were the last day of your life? The Bible tells us that we all have an appointment to stand before God and give an account for this life that we're presently living. In Hebrews chapter 9, the Bible tells us that it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this, the judgment. It is appointed unto men once to die, but after we die, we have an appointment with judgment. What if you knew that at midnight tonight, you had an appointment with God? Do you know that you're right with God? You may say, I think so, or I hope so. But do you mean to tell me that you're going to leave your eternal destination hanging on the thread of you hope so? Let me tell you how you can know so. Have you ever truly acknowledged your sin and asked God to forgive you? Can you recall a very specific memory of a day in your life when you got down on your knees and repented of sin and invited God's only son, Jesus, to forgive you and be your Lord and Savior? Has anyone ever cared about you enough to tell you how you can be made right with God? I care, and I'm going to tell you straight from the pages of the Bible how you can be made right with God today. 
First of all, the Bible says in Romans chapter 10, listen to this, quote, If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God, and it is by confessing with your mouth that you are saved. End of quote. Getting right with God is not difficult. It's as simple as ABC. A, admit your sin to God. God is a holy God. He loves us, but he hates the sins that defile us. All of us have sinned. Everybody falls short of God's holy standards. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 1, if we say we have no sin, we are only fooling ourselves and refusing to accept the truth. But if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from every wrong. B, believe in God's Son, Jesus. Believe that he loves you. Believe that he died on the cross for your sins. Believe that he rose again. Believe that he'll keep his promise to return for all who love him. In John 3.16, the Bible says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And in John 14 and 7, Jesus said this. He said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life, and no one can come to the Father except through me. And C, commit your life to God in childlike faith. And you can do that today. Wouldn't you like to know that you're right with God? Wouldn't you like to know that your life is under the blessing of God? and free from the curse of sin? Wouldn't you like to know that five seconds after you die, that you have made sure of heaven, and that you belong to God, and he belongs to you? If your desire is to be made right with God, I'd like to pray a simple prayer and invite you to pray with me. Prayer is simply talking to God from a sincere heart. By praying this prayer with me, you're saying, I choose the forgiveness of God. I choose to be right with God. I choose heaven. I decide today to make Jesus my Lord and Savior. I'm going to ask you to pray this prayer with me, and I'm going to ask you to pray it out loud and without shame. Just pray these words. Dear God, today I come to you in childlike faith, and I admit my sins. You know everything I have ever done. I believe your son Jesus paid the penalty for my sins on the cross. I humbly receive your forgiveness. I believe you love me. And I confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord. And I believe in my heart today that you raised him from the dead according to your holy word. Today I trust in your mercy. And today I invite you to come into my heart and be my Lord and Savior. Teach me how to live for you. I receive the gift of salvation. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Remember today, today is the day that you made your decision to be right with God. And it's not the end, but it's just the beginning 
of what God desires to do with you and through you. And I want to give you a gift, no strings attached. I want to send you a CD that's going to help you with your next step, and it's entitled, What is a Real Christian? And you can order it by calling our Lost Lamb Ministry office at 888-LOST-LAMB. That's a toll-free call, 888-LOST-LAMB, or 888-567-8526. You can also go to our website, which I would encourage you to do, and that's lostlamb.org, lostlamb.org, and click on what is a real Christian, and there'll be information to guide you through that. The Lost Lamb Association exists to help people find a right relationship with God and then offer clear Bible wisdom and teaching to help you grow stronger as you live the great adventure of faith. And before we go, I want to pray for you. Dear Father, I pray for every single person that might be listening to this message. And I pray that if they are not sure, that today they would make sure that they'll pray that simple prayer of faith and that they'll have an assurance that no matter what they've done, no matter where they're at in life, that God loves them and will forgive them if they'll only ask. Let today be the hour of decision for them and may they feel the presence of God from this very moment forward like they have never felt it before and may they live every day ready to meet the Lord in Jesus' name, let your blessing rest upon them in all that they do. And for these things, we give you praise. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.